Welcome to CLCC Online. We pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with Him. We believe that we were meant to do life in community. So if you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into the family. Find everything you need at clcc.ca. Enjoy. In our world, we have learned to be responsible people. We even teach our kids to act in a certain way when we're out in public. We, we want them to know how to act because we know that how they act will hopefully one day help them get jobs and dates and maybe second dates, hopefully second dates with the same person. And, and, and maybe when they're ready to move out of the house, they'll behave correctly. But we know that that's all, that's all outside stuff. Maybe there's something more important to pay attention to. Most everyone is encouraged to act right, but very few people have been encouraged to monitor what's going on inside, in, in our hearts. Because when there's pressures in life, maybe, maybe something that no one saw coming, or, or, or something doesn't go their way, or maybe they're just not getting what they want, People act different. People act a whole other way. Something ugly might leak out from what's inside. What is already inside determines what comes out during the pressures of life. Pressure exposes what's already inside. It, pressure exposes our hearts. King Solomon, he, he was known as one of the smartest people to ever live. He lived a long time before Jesus, and he wrote ideas to live life by. You know what? We call them Proverbs. And here's one of them from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. He says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart determines the course of your life, not behavior. Psalmist says, the course of your life, it goes beyond behavior. It has everything to do with our hearts. We have to learn to monitor our hearts because what's in here is eventually going to get out there. We've all seen this. Maybe you had somebody close to you and when pressure came, you found what was on the inside. Maybe you had a boss where when work got hard, you found out that was what was on the inside eventually leaked out. So today I want to talk about this word, guilt. Now, guilt, guilt is the emotion that's associated with the understanding that what we've done was wrong. Now, there's different kinds of guilt, but the guilt that we're going to talk about today is the kind that you feel when you did something wrong to someone. You, you, you hurt someone. And over time, if you're not careful, what you did in the past will begin to define you. Now, we know that we're guilty about something, but sometimes it's so terrifying and it's so overwhelming and we try and forget it. But then every, every once in a while, something reminds us of what we did. And when that happens, we all do the same thing. We retreat to the narrative that we have created and that allows us to carry our guilt without it overwhelming us. It, it helps us deal with our guilt. We all have a story we tell ourselves, you know, well, yeah, I was, I was 20. It, it was, it was my first job. It was only, it was only, it was only one weekend. Yeah, I, I did it, but you don't know my story. We, we create a narrative that allows us to distance ourselves from our actual guilt and we suppress it. We try to excuse it away by denying it that it wasn't that bad. 
Here's why we're going to talk about this. We know that denying guilt or being defined by guilt always empowers guilt. Every single wrong you've ever committed against someone else, there was this sense in which you stole something from them because you took something from them. It was either either something physical, it was mental, maybe it was their trust or their time. When we do that, we create this debt within them. When we take something from them, we owe them. So because we owe them something, there's this debt-debtor relationship. Guilt says, I owe you. In fact, we've created terminology for this. We say, I owe her an apology. When you, when you really think about it, you can't give her back what you took. You can't give back trust. You, but you know you feel the guilt, and you know you owe something. You, you just don't know how to make it up. You, you just know, I, I'm guilty. I owe them. I'm in debt to them. But we don't always experience guilt as debt. We experience guilt as weight. But debt and weight can feel similar can't it? Because, because, because guilt is often felt like a weight, you carry it around everywhere you go. And sometimes the weight can get overwhelming, a weight that throws us off balance. In fact, some of you, because of your unresolved guilt that you've been carrying around for song, it's, it's put you off balance in your relationships. Your ability to forgive is affecting your ability to love. We're off balance because of this debt-debtor relationship. And, and, we, and, and we, we experience it as a weight, an unnecessary weight. It throws us off balance. But what, what would life be like without that weight, without that guilt? Because when you finally resolve guilt, when you finally get rid of guilt, how do you feel? We say, I just feel like a weight has been lifted off of me. Here's, here's the tricky thing about guilt. If we don't resolve it, Guilt evolves into something very different, something very sinister. Guilt often evolves into anger because at the end of the day, you're angry with yourself. I did not live up to my expectations. And the problem with anger is that anger leaks and it comes out on other people. You didn't live up to your expectations and no, and now no one else can live up to your expectations either. See, guilty people don't feel the debt-debtor relationship. Guilty people feel the weight and the weight that throws us off balance. But here's the really difficult part of this. Guilty people rarely ever get the connection between their guilt and their anger. They They just can't see it. When anyone ever points out their anger, they, they are quick to point out what's wrong in the other person. It's a, it's a coping response. It's the adult version of I'm rubber and you're glue. This helps us cover up our failures. And the guilt disappears. And for a time, it, it disappears into the depths of our hearts. These people can see everyone else's faults, everyone else's failures, but they have a tough time seeing their own. Ever meet anyone like that who, who feel that it's everyone's fault but theirs? Yeah. It was my first wife's fault. It was my boss's fault. It, it's the government's fault. Why do we do that? I think, I think we do that because it's really hard to face our guilt. I, I know that there's a really good reason why we don't want to face it. Because to face it, when we embrace it, it leaves us with no change in our past. Because sometimes we feel we can't do anything about it. So you know, why even face it? Because even when you face it, you're still condemned. 
We know that there's no way to undo the past. We can't undo or unsay something. You can't unleave. You can't go back and be faithful. You can't go back and not drink too much. You can't go back and not work too much. You can't go back and return to your kid's childhood. You can't go back to your first marriage. And because we can't rewind and erase, we try and create a narrative just to move on. Except you can't do that either. Because our past was not designed to be left completely behind. It's your story. And as much as we want to distance ourselves from it, if you don't resolve it, it travels with you. And here's the great news. If you don't hear anything today, hear this. You do not have to be defined by your past. You do not have to be defined by your past. And you don't have to spend this season of your life denying it either. Jesus gave us a third option. The Apostle Paul wrote something that I, I want to read in a minute. Paul wrote this letter to a church that he'd never been to. Now, if you grew up in the church, you've probably heard this before. But as I read this, I want you to hear this like you're hearing it for the first time. Now, if you didn't grow up in church, I know you probably don't have much use for the Bible or what the Bible says. But I want you to think that you're getting advice from a man who probably lived and carried more guilt and more regret than we can even begin to imagine. Because th th this idea of carrying guilt, this weight around, was not a theory for Paul. This, this is a man whose life experience left him so broken and had so much shame and so much guilt. The Apostle Paul stepped onto the pages of history as Saul of Tarsus. Now, when we first meet him, Saul was arresting, he was torturing, he was imprisoning, and in some case, cases, he was executing innocent men and women. And to make things worse, he was doing this all in the name of God. Here's the amazing thing he did about, about his story. He didn't deny his guilt. He didn't excuse it away. And the only reason we know about his past is because he tells his own story over and over in his letters. Instead of allowing his guilt to define him and spending every minute of his day trying to distance himself from it and denying it and burying it, the Apostle Paul, when he became a follower of Jesus, discovered this third way. So in a letter he wrote to the Christians in who are living in Nero's Rome, here's what he wrote, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. This is what he's saying. After what I just shared about my struggling with my sin, he, he covered that in the passage just before this. He, he's, he's covering all the reminders that should bring him down. There's this brand new idea. God has done something new. And as a result of what God has done, now there is no condemnation. There is a place where your actual past is neither forgotten nor condemning. It can be faced, even though it can't be erased. You you can live without condemnation. You, you no longer have to pretend that it didn't happen. You no longer have to live with that narrative where you give excuses. You can face it and yet not feel the terrifying condemnation. He tells us who's, who this good news is for. Therefore, there is now co no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Those, those who are willing to face the terrible truth about their past, acknowledge it to God and surrender to the leadership of Jesus, the good news is you stand not condemned. You are able to regain balance. You are able to release that weight. Verse 2, 
And because you belong to him, you know, through what Christ has done for us, through stepping into this new covenant, this relationship with God that has different standards, it has different rules, a different way of thinking, a different connection with God. Paul said, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of sin and death is simply this. When you hurt somebody, you have this feeling of guilt. Now, it's not always a bad thing, but, but it happens to everyone. And now you know that there's nothing that you can do to undo what you did. You can't deny it. You're stuck. Guilt has gotten into your heart and you're carrying that weight. Paul continues, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from that power of sin that leads to death. Verse 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Paul mentions law. Now, the only thing the law does is it shows us the line that we're not allowed to cross. Then when it's crossed, the law simply condemns us. It says, it says you're guilty. And in some cases, the law punishes us. The law condemns you. It shows you what you did wrong. Another weakness of the law is that the law can't restore you. It can't set you free from your past. All the law does is it shows you where you've fallen short, reminds you of the lines you've crossed, and that you didn't measure up. Now you, you can deny it. You can come up with your story and give your reasons and try to make yourself feel better, but you have to live the rest of your life carrying the weight of guilt. But if you don't take care of this, you will walk through the rest of your life with that weight that throws you off balance. Now, Paul lived with the law. Many people believe that he had hold the whole law memorized, but he discovered that when Jesus came, a brand new kind of relationship with God started. Christ did something even the best law couldn't do. Verse 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Now, don't miss this. What the law was unable to do, Paul says, God did. God did what the law could not do. So how did God do it? He sent his only son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. Now, you've heard this before. It's so important. We need to talk about this a lot. God became flesh and dwelt among us. This is so important to remember. God didn't send Jesus down here just to show us how to love. He did this to show us what God was like. He sent him in the form of bodies like we sinners have. He did this to take upon himself what you deserve and what I deserve so that we could be free and so that we wouldn't be trapped either facing it and denying it, being defined by it, or denying it and just living a lie. Paul tells us the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. God did what the law could not do. He sent his son to be a sin offering. <laughs> At the cross, Jesus took exactly what you deserve on himself. And you know what he took upon himself? He took my sin. He took your sin. But maybe we can't forget that he also took on himself the condemnation associated with your sin. When Paul recognized this and he stepped into this freedom, he said, those of you who are guilty like me, when you step into and receive what God has done for you in Christ, there's no condemnation. God says, come on. Bring your guilt to me. No, no stories of why you did what you did. No excuses, no narratives, no blaming. 
God says, you broke the relationship. You actually betrayed her. You hurt her. You were irresponsible with your body. You knew better, but you did it anyways, and you're guilty. So let's own it. You, you are guilty. I'm guilty. But we are not condemned. God says, when I see you, I don't see that. And I don't want you to see that either. God wants you to see you the way he sees you. And he doesn't want to stop there. He wants everyone to see themselves the way that he sees them. Verse 3, and in that body, the sacrificed body of Christ, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Paul tells us that God has condemned something, but not you. In one version, Paul says that God actually condemned sin. You know what that means? That means that God has restored you to a guiltless relationship with him in spite of actual guilt. God chooses to love you and to relate to you as if it never happened. You're guilty because of what you did, but you're not condemned because Jesus took your guilt upon himself. So today, I want to leave you with four ideas from this passage that, that will help you deal with guilt. This should change your attitude if, you're, if you started this relationship with Jesus. Now, if, if you're thinking about starting a relationship with Jesus, this can be a new set of guidelines for you. To, to, for you to follow when it concerns guilt, a new covenant, a new set of rules. Now, if you follow this thinking, the first thing that you need to remember is you can't condemn yourself. Well, I guess you can, but it's not your right. You give up your right to condemn yourself when you become a follower of Jesus. Because that right, it doesn't belong to you. You might be guilty, but you're not condemned. You've got to remind yourself, I have been purchased with the blood of Christ. I am not my own. You are not condemned. Because there is someone who paid your guilt and declares you not guilty. It's in the past, and the past is paid. Second thing I want you to remember is your guilt might remind you, but it will not define you. It's, it's true. You did it. But you are not what you did. You don't get to your identity from your past. You get your identity in what God calls you. God condemned sin. He did not condemn you. This is what's so powerful. And this is where I hope that you can all get your past, your guilt, your worst day ever becomes a pivot point for you. Not to condemn yourself, but to have gratitude for what God has done. The third thing is this, you forfeit the right to condemn others. Because if, 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 you, if you condemned others, that would make you a hypocrite. And no one likes a hypocrite, right? When you finally get this, you forfeit the right to judge others and write them off because of what they've done. In fact, you know what I've seen? The more judgmental you, the, or, the, the more judgment you have, the less self-aware you are of your own sin. In fact, the more judgmental you are, the more likely it is that you have some big sin that you've created a narrative for. And all that guilt that you've never faced up to, it's just gone somewhere else. And, and that's where the bad emotions in your heart come out of. The people who've confronted their past, their failures, they find it almost impossible to judge anyone else or condemn anyone else because they know, man, that would make me a hypocrite. The last one is this. Now, now that you've been free, now, now that you're free to ask for forgiveness with 
without expectations. Now you're free to ask for forgiveness without expectations and without excuses. Let me tell you what Christianity is not. I hurt you. I betrayed you. And then I went home and I asked God to forgive me and now things are good. That's not Christianity. Christianity is this. I hurt you. I faced my guilt. I asked God to forgive me and he gave me what I don't deserve. So the least I can do is come back to you and give you what you deserve, an apology. If Christianity is going to be your way of life, you are encouraged to love as you have been loved. God, in his perfection, humbled himself through Christ to give you what you don't deserve. How dare we not go back and ask for forgiveness to the people that we have hurt? You know what we can't do when we go back and ask for forgiveness? We can't go back with our narrative. We can't go back with our excuses. We can't go back with our stories of, on why we did what we did. We simply go back and ask for forgiveness because of what God has done for us freely. Is someone waiting for you? Is someone waiting for you to make the first move? Is there someone from your past and they're carrying the pain that, that still might be hurting them? Maybe what you did to them or what you didn't do for them? Jesus humbled himself for you. And now you're free to humble yourself for others. Are you ready to stop telling yourself that same old story? Are you ready to stop the excuses? Are you ready to get honest with God and maybe honest with others? Let me pray for you today. Father, we are so grateful once again that we do not have to live with the guilt that we have from our past. God, we're so grateful that there is now no more condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. God, for those of us who belong to Christ Jesus, God, I pray that we would stop making excuses of our past, and Lord, we would face those, sometimes those ugly things that we've done. We might even make an appointment this week and go back and, and confess and ask for forgiveness to that person. And Lord, that is what you're asking us to do. Lord, it might be hard, it might be difficult, but Lord, you are asking us to, to, to get rid of that guilt, to, to give that guilt to you because of what you've done for us. So God, thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Hopefully you have a fantastic week and we'll see you back here next time. Thanks for joining us. If you are looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. Our Aldergrove campus meets at Parkside Elementary School Sundays at 10.30. Our Abbotsford campus has three services each Sunday, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. If you would like to financially support us, you can always give at cscca give. See you later.